This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Rusty Gray and Toya Christian Fellowship. For more information, visit tcfministries.org. I'm talking about being a fan or a follower, and here's what we talked about. Here's the premise of this message. It's not knowing about Jesus, but that you know Jesus personally. What's the difference, Pastor, between a fan or a follower? Well, a fan wants to be close enough to Jesus for the benefits, but not so close it requires anything of them. Here's the thing. There's no way for you to follow Jesus without him interfering with your life. My question to you this morning is, has, has following Jesus cost you anything? Now here, there's, there's two ways to look at your relationship with Christ. Is it a casual weekend thing? Now don't get me wrong, I thank God you're here. I thank God that you took time to come this morning. But as you look at your relationship with Jesus Christ, would you say that it's just a casual weekend thing and you're here kind of to get your ticket punched and then the rest of the week is your life and your time? but on Sunday you want to have a relationship with Jesus, or would you say that it's an exclusive commitment to Christ? Now, this series is based on the book. Our life group's going to be based on the book. And I want you to know my heart. I don't want you to leave thinking, what was he talking about? Here's our heart. Regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ, our heart is that you're challenged, and that you're challenged to take the next step in your relationship, whatever that looks like. Whether it's maybe being more faithful to church, whether it's maybe starting a devotional time and you read your Bible, maybe it's beginning to pray and you've never done that before. Maybe it's beginning to pray at meals and maybe you've never done that before. Uh, Maybe just like what Kurt said, maybe it's to begin to give, but that you take an honest look at your relationship with Jesus Christ. And would you say that it's good that it's alive, it's vibrant, or would you say that maybe it's not that anymore, that maybe it used to be, but it's not that way anymore? So that's been the premise of this series. Now, I'm going to read a story to you this morning out of Acts chapter 3, and I'm going to read a story to you. The first part I'm going to read is about a miracle, and it leads up to what I'm going to read next. So let me begin to read and share this with you. I'm reading out of Acts chapter 3, verse 1, New Living Translation. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, or the Nazarene, get up and walk. Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them, and all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. Now, here's the first thing I want you to see this morning. You have the same Jesus that they had. All right? The Bible's not a book of exceptions. It's a book of examples. And I'm not saying that you need to go out and cause the lame to walk. Here's what I am saying. 
you have the same Jesus they had. If you'll notice in this story, they did not pray for this man. They didn't pray. They said, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And he did. Let me read you another verse. I'm going to skip down to verse 16. Look at what it says. It says, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. A few weeks ago, I taught a series on faith. You have the same Jesus they had. How did you get saved? You got, fa- you got saved by having faith that Jesus died for you. How do you get a miracle in your life? By having faith in Jesus Christ. Now, there's two things I want you to see as I move on in this story. Number one, begin to use the name of Jesus more in your daily life. When you pray in your prayers, in the name of Jesus. When you speak blessings into your life. What do you mean, Pastor? Like when you're driving to work, you say, in Jesus' name, I speak life over my children. In Jesus' name, I thank you that my home is blessed. In Jesus' name, you're great. Grace is on my job. The Bible says there's power in the name of Jesus, and you have the same Jesus that they had. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you have the same Jesus. Now, I want to go to the next part of the story. I'm going to go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and I want to read you what happens. I read you that to lead up to this. Listen to what it says. It says, when Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests the captains of the guard, and some of the Sadducees. The leaders were disturbed that Peter and John were teaching people that through Jesus there's a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was evening, they put them in jail until morning. They fed them a good meal of steak and baked potato and chocolate pie. Oh, I added that. I'm sorry. I apologize. That's what I would want to happen if I was in jail, right? Okay. Now, here's what they went to jail for doing good. They didn't go to jail for robbing allsops. Okay, they went to jail for doing something right. But many of the people who heard their message believed. The people, excuse me, the number of believers totaled 5,000 men, not counting men, women, and children. Verse 5. The next day, the council of the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Ananias, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in these two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Now, they already said that. I already read you that verse. How was this man healed? He was healed by the power of Jesus Christ. How do you get healed? How do you get your needs met? By the power of Jesus Christ, the very same way. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scripture where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Verse 12, therefore is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Stop right there. Folks, the only way into God's heaven is through his son, Jesus Christ. 
I heard a very popular person on TV one time say, there are many ways to heaven, and it does not matter what you call God. Okay, now Kurt's sitting right on the front row, and his name is Kurt, obviously. But if I looked over there and said, hey, Henry, do you think he would look? No, he wouldn't look, because that's not his name. Now, I could holler loud enough that he'd think, man, what's wrong with Dad? He needs help, okay? But you look when I call your name. God is the very same way, folks. The Bible very plainly says, listen to it, there is no salvation in anyone but Jesus. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Now, here's another amazing thing that I've told you, but I want to remind you. It says that the only way to get salvation is through Jesus, and the word salvation means deliverance. It means safety, it means preservation, it means soundness, and it means healing. Listen to me, whatever you need, Jesus Christ is available to meet your needs. And the only way to find the things you're looking for is through Jesus Christ. Let me continue to read. Verse 14. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scripture. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Now stop right there and let me back up two sentences. And I'm going to rock your socks off. You got them on this morning? I got mine on right here, all right? I'm going to rock your socks off. All right, back up, and let me show you something. It says they were ordinary men just like us. We've made them into Bible heroes, but they were ordinary blue-collar men. And they were using the name of Jesus and seeing miracles in their life. Here's the next thing it says. They had no special training in the Scripture. The King James says they were ignorant and unlearned men. Now, I want you to see something very powerful, and I don't want you to miss it. Thank God for education. God is for education, and he believes in education as do I. But here's what happens to us as Christians. Oh, I don't know enough Bible to talk to anybody. Oh, I don't know enough scripture to pray with somebody. Oh, I don't have the right education or training. Oh, I'm not the pastor, or I'm not the worship leader, or I'm not the Sunday school teacher. Listen, all God wants you to do is be ordinary and allow him to use you and move in your life and he will. You don't need any more training than what you have right now. What did the leaders who had training know? Hey, these are just ordinary men. And it says they had no special training in the scripture. But here's what they had. Are you ready? You better reach down and grab onto your socks. You don't want them. To, okay, maybe you don't care if they blow off. All right. All right. It says they also recognized as men who had been with Jesus. They had their BWJ degree. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, see, you're thinking you've got to have more education, and I'm not good against education. But God's not waiting for you to get more education to use you. He wants to use you right now. You see, Jesus was with them. Jesus is in you. They had their BWJ degree. What in the world is that, Pastor? Their been with Jesus degree. 
They were ordinary. They didn't have a lot of knowledge, but they'd been hanging out with Jesus and it changed their life. Listen, if you've invited Christ into your life, he's not with you. He's in you. And I'm going to show it to you in just a minute in Romans. Every one of you in here that if you know Jesus, you have your BWJ degree and you've been with Jesus and you're ordinary and you don't have all the answers and you're perfect for God to use you. You don't have to wait. Isn't that crazy? Your sock's still there? All right. I'm going to go to the next verse. I want to read to you now out of Romans chapter 8, verse 11, and I want to show you something amazing. It says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Where does God live? In us. All right. It says in the Scripture that just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he'll give life to your mortal body by the same Spirit living in you. The scripture I just read, church, says that if you've invited Christ into your life, he lives on the inside of you, and you have all the power, you have all the help, you have all the wisdom you'll ever need, and just because you're ordinary, in fact, that's exactly how God wants you to be as ordinary, and just like they use the name of Jesus to cause a miracle to happen in a man's life, God wants to do miracles in your life, and the reason they don't happen more often is because you don't think you have it together enough, or you haven't read enough, or you haven't prayed enough or you haven't studied enough when all God's wanting you to do is just step out and not be afraid to use the name of Jesus and not be afraid to recognize that God wants to use you. Now I want to go to Galatians chapter 3. One of my wife's favorite channels on television is the NFL network. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that? Do you ever think things and think if you said it? Okay. I'm sorry. It's not the NFL network. It's ESPN. Oh, I'm sorry. It's HGTV. Man, we could have revival right there, couldn't we? She loves HGTV. And on that show, on that channel, they have people who redo houses. And, you know, they have the people come in and they have professionals who work. But then they also have people who fix it themselves. Now, there's another channel called the DIY channel. We don't get it. Some of you may get it. It's called Do It Yourself. Now, listen to me very carefully. Many of you men in here, and maybe some of you women are very good at that. I know Johnny's sitting right here, and Johnny's very gifted and very good at remodeling things and taking out walls. And I've seen homes that he's done, and it's amazing. You know, oh, 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 you know, the the floors will be beautiful. How did you do that? Oh, I did it. You know, listen, I'm not a repair, do-it-yourself kind of guy. I've never been one of those guys. One time I had a drain stopped up in the sink. And so I went down and got one of those snakes, you know, and I thought, man, I'm going to unstop that. And I rammed that thing down the drain. And when I did, you know, the little curve part, it shot right out of the bottom of that curve part. And made a big old hole in the drain and water's running everywhere. I didn't fix anything. I made this huge mess. So then I had to call the plumber and they came out and laughed and, you know, and and then they fixed it. And, you know, anytime I try to do anything like that, I'm not very good at it. Listen, many of you are good at that kind of thing. But here's what I want you to see when it comes to your faith and to Christianity. God's not asking you to do it yourself. He's not asking you to use your human effort. I have a statement for you that's going to shock you. It's not hard to be a Christian. It's impossible. 
What are you talking about, pastor? I'm saying in your own power and in your own strength. It's not hard to be a Christian. It's impossible. Now, Paul in Galatians is speaking to the people in this city called Galatia, and they had gotten saved just like we have, and their lives had been changed, and they were hanging out together just like we are. But then they decided one day, hey, we've kind of got this down, and I think I can do this myself. And they had people coming in telling them, well, now you've got to keep this rule, and you've got to keep that rule, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do that. And Paul wrote to them, and here's what he said. He said, how foolish can you be after starting your new life in the spirit? What changed us? The spirit of God. Why are you now trying to become perfect or mature by your own human effort? Now, here's what I want you to see this morning. Jesus lives on the inside of you if he's your savior. And he is available to empower you to be a follower and not a fan. He's available to empower you to see your life changed. Christianity is not a do-it-yourself project. Christianity does not work based on human effort. It works when you allow God to move in your life. Listen, if you can admit your weakness, you make room for Christ's power in your life. That's the next scripture I want to read to you. I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me give you a little background on this verse. Paul is being attacked by the devil. All of us have been attacked by the devil at one time or another, right? Paul's being attacked by the devil. And he goes to God and he says, hey, God, would you get this off of me? And it says that he asked God three times. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, I've heard preachers preach those set of verses and say that God did not answer Paul's prayer. And I beg to differ. And here's why. If I asked you to ask God to take care of you tomorrow and he answered you and said, my grace is enough, would that prayer not be answered? If you told God, I need help with my children at school, and he said, don't you worry tomorrow when they're at school, my grace will be there and be enough. Would you not consider that an answered prayer? So that's exactly what happens to Paul. You know what God's grace is? It's his strength. It's his power. It's his love. It's his provision. It's whatever you need in your life. So when you have God's grace, you have everything that you need. Now, let me read to you what Paul said. It said, each time he said, now in my Bible, this is in red. Jesus is speaking. And he says, my grace is all you need. My power, listen, my power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. Paul is talking. I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in trouble that I suffer for Christ. Listen to the last sentence. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Here's one of the things we've done in church, and I've been guilty of it. We show up in church, and we all look so handsome and beautiful and we all look good. And one of the mistakes we make is we want to act like we have it all together. Hey, I don't have any problems. I don't have any trouble. I'm okay. Okay, I know good men who are in church every Sunday. And when I go up to them and say, how are you doing? Oh, we're great. We're great. We're great. Right? Well, hey, I thought maybe you had some sickness in your family. No, we're great. We're great. We're good. We're good. Here's the thing I want you to see. See, as long as you empower yourself 
There's no room for God to move in your life. See, in church, we don't glory in our weaknesses. We glory in our strengths. We're afraid to let our guard down because in church, we shoot our wounded, right? We're the only army that does that. But God is saying in the New Testament, I want you to admit that you need me in your life. And if you will, I'll be there. Years ago, I heard Joyce Meyer tell a story about how she wanted God to change her husband. And God wasn't doing a very good job, so she was going to help God. Okay, right? Have you ever been in that place before you're going to help God do something? It's like the little lady that prayed that the, the bar next door would close down, and one night she snuck over there and set it on fire. Right? Well, she was just putting legs to her prayers. Amen? All right, so we've all kind of been there before, right? It's like, hey, so she wants her husband to change, and she decides that she's going to help God do it. And here's what God told her. He said, your husband is a lump of clay on the potter's wheel. And as it's turning, you want me to put my hands on him. And then you want to put your hands over my hands. And you want to guide my hands to change your husband. And here's what God told her. Either I'm going to put my hands on him or you're going to put your hands on him. But we're not going to both put our hands on him. All right, every one of us do that with our problems. God, I'm going to help you fix my daughter. I'm going to help you fix my son. I'm going to help you fix my boss. And God's saying either I'm going to do it or you're going to do it, but we're not going to both do it. Paul said that you're supposed to do what? Recognize your own weakness. All right. There's a man that has a house and he has an office in his home. Uh, I have an office in my home that I use. Many of you do too. And he decided he wanted to rearrange his office. And he had a large wooden desk with those legs that come off of a desk. Very large, very heavy desk. Well, he couldn't figure out how to move it. And he thought, man, you know, if I tried to drag it, I could break one of the legs off. You know how when you try to move a piece of furniture. So he got the idea that I'll very carefully turn it upside down. So he cleaned off the top of the desk. He pulled the drawers out. And he very carefully turned it upside down where the top of the desk was on the carpet. Then he got a hold of the legs, and he began to carefully push this several hundred-pound desk across the floor. Well, he so happened to have a little young boy that was about four or five years old, and he's there, and he wants to help Daddy. So he gets in between his Daddy's arms, and he puts his little hands on the lip of the desk, and he's just pushing. You know how your children will want to help you? Well, Daddy's moving the desk, and he's just pushing. And then he looks up at his dad, and he says, Dad, you're in the way. You're in the way. Would you back up and let me do this? So the dad steps back a couple of steps, and the little boy has hold of the desk, and he grunts, and he pushes, and he tries with all of his might. And the dad very quietly reaches up and takes hold of the legs and continues to move the desk. And the little boy thinks that he's pushing it. Every one of you in this room have been pushing your desk, and you think you're doing it, but it's daddy. And you're saying, hey, Dad, let go of this and back up. I can do this. I can fix this. I can change this. And so he lets go and he steps back. And he lets you push and he lets you grunt and he lets you shove. And then you say, Daddy, I'm weak and I can't do it. And he very gently steps up and takes the legs and continues to push the desk across the room. Whatever is your desk this morning... Maybe it's your daughter, maybe it's your son, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's your grandparents, maybe it's your boss, maybe it's your bank account, maybe it's your health. I don't know what it is, but every one of you've got a desk in your life and every one of you've been pushing it and you've been struggling and straining and pushing and you thought all along you were the one moving it when it was your father that was moving it all along. 
Now, I've got a blank question I want to give you, and I want you to fill in the blank. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I blank. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I blank. What do you mean, Pastor? Here's, I'll, do, I'll go first. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I am your pastor. Because here's what I learned a long time ago. I can't make this work. I can't make church work. I can't fix you. I can't. And I've got a hold to the desk, and I'm pushing, and I'm groaning, and I'm struggling. And God steps up and gets a hold of it, and he pushes it along. And here's what happens. My gosh, we grow And we go from one service to two services. Listen, I can remember on Easter Sunday thinking if we could just have, if there there would have just been this many right here on Easter, I would have danced down the street. One Easter Sunday, we had 85 people. And I just went home with my head down thinking, my gosh, they won't even come on Easter. I got to study. I got to pray. I got to push the desk harder. And God said, why don't you let me push the desk? Now, in three weeks, we're going to have four weekend services, and we're going to have over 500 people. Listen, I'm not pushing the desk. Daddy is. Amen? All right, whatever your desk is in your life, listen to me. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm your pastor. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm Vicky's husband. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm a father. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm a brother. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm a friend. Whatever you need to do to fill in that blank in your life. Think right now in your own heart and your mind. What have you been trying to push in your life? What desk have you got a hold of in your life that you need to let go and let God? And you need to admit your weakness so you can make room for Christ's strength. See, here's what happens. That takes you from being a fan to being a follower. Because he wants to empower you. Because I've already established that Jesus lives on the inside of you. I've already established that the guys in the book of Acts uh, raised a crippled man by the name of Jesus. You have the same Jesus. You have the same power. You have the same grace. All you got to do is let daddy help push the desk. And we know the little boy's not moving anything, right? He's just kind of along for the ride. He thinks he's pushing it. Don't you love it when you do that? I'm so guilty of that. God will do something amazing. And I think, man, I got it going on. Man, I'm doing the chicken dance, you know. It's like when Vicky dances, she dances like this, you know. And when we dated, I danced like this. Vicky always makes fun of me. I got her to the altar. <laughs> Amen? Amen, he got her to the altar. So you're pushing your desk, and you think you're doing it when Daddy's doing it all along. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I blank. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a minute and do business with God. And I want you to get in your heart whatever your desk is. I want you to get in your heart whatever you've been pushing. Whatever you've been pushing, whatever you've been holding on to, whatever you've been trying to do under your own power. And I want you to invite Daddy to take hold of the legs of whatever's in your life. Maybe it's your family, it's your job, it's your money situation, it's your health. Maybe it's a stepdaughter. Maybe it's raising your grandchildren. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. Whatever it is, you know what it is. You know what in your life that you think, God, you need to take hold of this. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed for privacy, I want you to invite your father to take hold of your desk. Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we want to recognize that we're weak but you're strong. 
just like the child song that we sang, that we're weak and you're strong. And Lord Paul said that he gloried in his weakness. He recognized it. He wasn't afraid to talk about it because he knew when he was that you were strong. Father, we give you our desk, whatever it is. Lord Jesus, take a hold of my desk. And I'm so thankful that you allow me to be in between your arms and you allow me to hold on to it and you allow me to walk with you. And I'm so, I'm so grateful, Father, that you love us. We give you our desk. We give you our problems. We give you our mountains. And we thank you that you empower us to live that spirit-filled life. Not from stress, not from pressure, not from trying to be more disciplined, but it flows from your power. Lord, I'm thankful in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Would you all stand, please? The Lord is good, isn't he? I pray you have an amazing rest of your day and you enjoy the sunshine. Y'all go and be blessed.